The African tailor bird father builds a beautiful nest for his family. He finds large green leaves and punches holes in the edges of them. Then he collects spider webs and plant fibers to sew the leaves together. Inside the leaves, he weaves a soft nest of grass for his babies and their mother. Penguins make great fathers. After the mother lays the eggs, the father takes care of them. He keeps them warm by holding them on his feet. He protects the eggs from cold weather and enemies. He also has to watch for other penguins who would like to steal his eggs and adopt them. When the eggs are ready to hatch, the mother comes back to give the father a rest. I think we can learn something, huh, from the animal dads. And so there are many fathers out there who are admirably succeeding in their quest to become good fathers and good husbands. They're nurturing, supportive, strong and wise. They are there for their families and should be commended and not taken advantage of or forgotten. However, there are men out there who have abdicated their responsibilities to their children and wives. Zechariah 1.5 says, you fathers, your fathers, where are they? Second Timothy 1.5 says, I am reminded of your sincere faith, a faith that dwelt first in your grandmother Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I'm sure dwells in you as well. Paul speaking to Timothy. And as I read that verse, I thought, where's Timothy's dad? We know his grandmother was a part of his life. His mother influenced him. But what about his father? Where was his father? My friend Chris Frankie once did a parenting seminar and 35 people came. 32 were moms. And so I wondered, where were the dads? Stats vary, but at least 40 percent of homes in America, there is no father figure present. David Blankenhorn, president of the Institute of American Values, says fatherlessness is the engine that drives our most pressing problems. It's the most important predictor of juvenile crime and a greater predictor than either race or income. Many secular and Christian organizations have arisen to help this problem. The National Fatherhood Initiative's vision statement reads to restore fatherhood to a national priority. And I say amen and yes to that. Promise Keepers, a Christian organization, started to help men keep their promises to their wives and children and churches and communities. And this is all good stuff. We know that the answer isn't the government throwing more money at this problem. At its heart, it's a sin problem and needs a spiritual solution. We need for our boys to live in solid Christian homes, to grow up to respect women and respect commitment where they get married, if that's God's will for them, and father children, if that's God's will for them, and where they will become the spiritual leaders of their homes and churches. It's a tall order, but it's certainly possible. Men, we can do better. We know we can. And so the Church of Jesus Christ wants to come alongside of you and support you and help you and encourage you in this endeavor. I think, want to thank Jim this morning. Jim Trusty, he's not with us. 
thank him for the years of having a men's breakfast that encouraged us to come and eat a meal together and share a word from Scripture. And John Schmuddy, who's recently done a number of men's events that have pulled us together. I'm really glad for these two men. Thank you for your ministry to help us. And I feel like we need we men could use more training in what it is to be a man of God, a husband and a father. How many of you had dads that ever said something like this? I'm busy. This is going to hurt me more than it will hurt you. at spanking time. And I thought, how's that possible? Be quiet. I'm watching the game. Bring back the change. Ask your mother. What do I look like? I made a money. You're going and you will have fun. Who's paying the bills around here? If you break your leg, don't come run into me. Get down from there before you break your neck. Quit playing with your food. Be quiet. Can't you see? I'm trying to think. Just wait till you have kids. I wasn't asleep. I was just resting my eyes. I walked five miles to school in the snow, barefoot, uphill both ways. Yeah, I think you probably had a dad that said something similar to those. So we receive training, don't we, to help us learn to drive a car. We have to take a class and pass a test, written and driving test before we get a license to drive. We have to, on our jobs, get specialized training. But how many of us got training to be a dad? For most of us, it went something like this. We met a girl. She was looking for a husband and future father. So we signed up. And the first day was heralded with considerable pomp and ceremony. After that, it's been for better or worse, and sometimes for worse. We either imitated our parents, just did what they did, or we learned accidentally by trial and error. There are lots of good books out there on parenting, and our wives should definitely read them. I think we men have been impacted by our society much more than we care to admit. God has called us to be the servant leaders of our homes, and we must fulfill that responsibility. What is that responsibility or what are those responsibilities? I wonder what if a list came from children? If children could tell us what they want in a dad, how about Christian children? So David Letterman has his top 10 list. Here's the top 10 list from Christian kids of what they want from their father. Number one, fear and love God with all your heart. Fear and love God with all your heart. Immediately when I read that, two scriptures came to mind. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then what Jesus said in Matthew 22, 37 and 38. And he said to them, to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. So we must be followers of Jesus Christ who have repented of our sins and received forgiveness from God. 
We've invited Christ into our hearts to be our Savior and Lord. We've yielded to him and are continually yielding to him to change us and live through us. This is the most important thing that we can do for our family. And your child or children want to see that in you. They want to see that you have a relationship with God through Christ rather than just hear you tell them about it. Secondly, we want to see you read the Bible and pray. Rather than, again, telling them that you read the Bible and you pray like Jeff's dad's example. They want to see you doing it. Because reading the Bible and praying is how you grow as a Christian. Every day connecting with your Heavenly Father. In prayer, you talk to God. In Bible reading, He talks to you. Obey then what you read and put it into practice. Read it with your children. Family devotion times are wonderful. Teach your children what you're learning, what God is speaking to you through Scripture. Don't leave that for your wife or the church. It's your job. Let me read a couple verses here. Deuteronomy 6. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. Using the opportunities God affords you to teach them. Ephesians 6, 4. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. This is your responsibility, fathers. So we're, we're becoming and being alert to what God is doing all around us. Sharing that with our children. Answering their big questions. Here's the third thing Christian kids want from their fathers. Go to church And take us with you. Here are some results from a Barna study. They found that if mom and dad attend church regularly together, 72% of their kids will later in life. If only dad attends church regularly, 55% remain faithful. If only mom attends church 15% will stay with it. And if neither parent goes, only 6% will have church going as a part of their Christian life in the future. We can see, Dad, you're the pace setter here. In Acts chapter 10, the story of Cornelius coming to faith in Christ, it says that his family was gathered there too, his wife and children, when Peter came and shared the gospel. I want to read two verses from that, and that is verse 2 and verse 44. Cornelius was a devout man who feared God with all his household. So his influence was impacting all his household, including his children. He gave alms generously to the people and prayed continually to God. While Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. The wife, his children, were also a part of that salvation event. Go to church and take us with you. Number four, love our mom. If 
Ephesians 5.25 says, Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. The best gift, fathers, that you can give your children is a good marriage. And a good marriage is hard work. It says here in the text, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Sacrificially, he gave his life up for her. So we, in turn, give our lives up for her. Unconditional love, like God's love is toward us. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says, therefore, be imitators of God. In other words, how God loves you, love like that too. As beloved children and walk in love. As Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Perhaps the best way that we can do that as husbands is through communication. Ask your wife, what's the greatest evidence that she has that you love her? And I'll bet her answer will be, he spends time with me communicating Women will put up with a tight budget and headaches in the bedroom far easier than silence at supper time. Why is that? Because she's wired for a relationship. She's curious about the goings on in your heart and in your mind. So maybe when you get home from work, you're tired and you just want to plop yourself down in front of the television because you don't feel like communicating. That's a bad move, sir. Couples will say, we never talk. And yet they sit side by side for four hours a night watching television. Go take a walk and talk. Maybe get up 15 minutes early so you can have a little devotional time together in the word. First Corinthians 14:35 says wives should ask their husbands questions from the Bible. When was the last time you had a theological conversation? Not just a practical one. You love your kids best by loving their mom the most. Number five. Work hard and make some money. So what we fathers put number one, the Christian kids put number five. But kids are kids, right? They want the latest toy. They want the latest iPhone. And we know those things cost money. And so we have to work and provide for our families. And we know that there are some dads out there that aren't doing that. And so 1 Timothy 5.8 says, But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Number six, come home from work and play with us. They want to be with you. Many dads' lame excuse is, well, we have quality time together. We don't have quantity time, but we have quality time. But I have found, by my own life experience, it takes quantity time to reach quality time. And the best conversations I had with my sons growing up was driving places, especially to soccer games. The side-by-side conversation, you know, when I looked at them in the eye and I said, let's talk, they clammed up. But just sitting there side by side, driving, and then they got to yapping and talking, and we had great conversations. Kids aren't microwaves. You know, push a button and they heat up instantly. They needed time devoted to them to warm up. Dads were asked, 
How much time do you spend with your really small children? And they answer somewhere between a half an hour and an hour a day. Well, they were monitored. And the answer was they spent 37 seconds with their small children in conversation. I remember hearing about baseball player named Ryan Sandberg, who quit baseball to spend more time with his family. He actually walked away from a seven point five million dollar a year contract to do that. Tim Burke is another major leaguer who did that as well. And I want to quote him. He said in baseball, everything is taken care of for you. So it's easy to be irresponsible. I was not responsible. Christine was the leader. She took care of the kids. She was their teacher and spiritual leader. And she had to take care of the finances. She had to move us 38 times in 10 years. Since I've begun to take over the leadership role God meant for me to have, she is able to get out from under the stress and pressure. She's able to enjoy the children more. Guys, at your funeral, no one's going to read your resume. But your kids may get up and say what a great dad you were. Number seven and eight is help cook dinner and clean the house. These two fell together. Now, I can't imagine my boys ever say number seven for me to cook dinner. Right. They, they wanted their food to taste good. I think the point of this is help out around the house. Often mom gets home from work where she's worked hard all day and then has the lion's share of the housework. You're the servant leader around there. Did not Jesus tell us to wash one another's feet? So washing a dish occasionally won't kill us. Number nine. This one surprised me. Spank us when we're bad. Proverbs thirteen twenty four. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Now, I know parents don't do this anymore. I got it. I got it at school from teachers. And then I got it from my parents when I got home. My mom never said, oh, my little angel Eddie would never do that. She believed the teacher. I got spanked so I could have my attention riveted and focused on my parent who wanted to provide correction to me. And people like me who got spanked as kids did not grow up to be wife beaters or murderers, just so you know. Children want and need boundaries. They want rules. They want to be instructed. They actually want discipline. Number 10, have strong muscles to protect us. Now, this is obviously a throwback to older societies where the dad defended his household from wild animals and intruders. We see this in the book of Nehemiah. This is one of my favorite Passages in the Bible, Nehemiah 4:14, And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Your children see you as the strong protector, as, as the warrior of your home. So be that. Now, I know television and movie for years have depicted dad as imbeciles and weak and dumb. 
but we are their protector. How about taking it spiritually? Are you protecting them spiritually? Are you praying for them? Are you rebuking the enemy away from them? There is a battle right now going on in our country for the souls of children. And the devil wants to have them. And he's being very out in the open now with taking the souls of children. But we aren't going to let that happen. Fight back, sir. Fight for your brothers and your sons and your daughters and your wives and your homes. Listen to Psalm 68, 5 through 6. Father of the fatherless and protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. God settles the solitary in a home. He leads out the prisoners to prosperity, but the rebellious dwell in a parched land. Dad, our role in the home is so crucial. Our responsibilities in the home are paramount. But remember this. Your heavenly father is God Almighty, the awesome one who is a father to the fatherless and a protector of widows. That's who he is. He loves you and is your heavenly father. Perhaps your earthly father wasn't like that. Maybe you never heard these words. My father was pretty much an absentee dad. I searched for a relationship with him until the time of his death. Neil Chechnik Reminisced about the time his grandfather passed away as Neil and his dad were going through some of his grandfather's effects. Neil looked over at his dad, who was crying. He had never seen his dad cry before. I'm crying not only for my father, but also for me, his dad said. His death means I'll never hear the words I've always wanted to hear from him, that he was proud of me. Proud of the family I'd raised and the life I lived. So that you never have to feel this way too, I want to tell you now how proud I am of you. I want you to hear, Des, this today. God is your Father, and He loves you, and He's very proud of the man you are. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for being our father when our fathers weren't and when we have fallen short. You are always there as that good, good father. So we praise you today and we ask for your grace and strength that we might be more like you. That you love us with a perfect love and you discipline us. Your word tells us that you provide, you protect. And so our eyes are on you. May we be that good role model also for our family. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's stand.